Uh, well, if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew 23, starting in verse 1. And uh, we're going to continue our series in Matthew today. And uh, we're going to have a fun time with this. And then next Sunday, we're starting a new series called Home. And we're going to talk about uh, family, relationships, parenting. And I know some of you are already tuning out because you said, I'm single, I don't care about this. <laughs> if you want to be married someday, you need to start working on your marriage now. Right? If you want to be a good spouse someday, you got to start working on yourself now. If you want to be a good parent someday, you got to start working on yourself now. And so we're going to have a, a good time in that. My wife's going to help me uh, preaching on that. She's super excited, if you can't tell, about doing that. She's really not. Well, there was a... <laughs> There's a guy who had to get some new floor covering put in his kitchen. And so he uh, called the floor covering company and they came in and two huge thick guys came in and started moving the appliances out of his kitchen so the floor cover could come in and put down their new floor. And when they got ready to leave, he wrote a check to the floor covering guy and they started to walk out of his house. And he said, wait, 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 guys, I, I need you to move the fridge and the stove back. I can't do that on my own. I said, well, that wasn't part of the contract. So it's going to be an extra $450, but we'll do it. I said, well, Kevin doesn't do that, by the way. Kevin helps you with that. So <laughs> Kevin Converse in our church lays flooring. But uh, these guys said, well, yeah, we'll do it. So he wrote them another check for $450, handed it to them, and they moved the stuff back. Well, they went to leave, and they came back and said, sir, your car is blocking our van. We can't get out. I need you to move that. He said, well, I can, I can do that, but it's going to be an extra $450. <laughs> and so he got his money back. So, you know, there are people who are kind of hard to work with sometimes, right? You ever encountered anybody like that? Well, when Jesus was walking the earth and, and teaching, as we looked at in the book of Matthew, there was two groups that consistently fought against him. And they were the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they just made life really difficult on Jesus. They were always trying to trap him in his words. And so finally, we see here in Matthew 23, he kind of has enough of it. And so he's, he kind of goes on the offensive. And he talks about the lives of Pharisees led. So Matthew chapter 23, and uh, if you have a smartphone or a tablet, if you have the Uversion app, the notes are in there. Our Spanish church, I did put notes out there in Spanish. Uh, Melissa Dunn, who's watching at home, helped me uh, get those in Spanish. And then uh, we so appreciate Kathleen interpreting, so... If you see me stop every once in a while so she can catch up, because I get a little excited sometimes. Matthew chapter 23, starting in verse 1. It says, Jesus said to the crowds and his disciples, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. That means they were descendants of Moses and their, their authority uh, they taught. So you must be careful to do everything they tell you, but don't do what they do, for they do not practice what they preach. Ouch, right? So they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is for the people to see. They make their phylacteries wide and their tassels on their garments long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with, with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you are not to be called a rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth father, for he will be one father, and he is in heaven. 
nor are you to be called instructors, for there's one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your what? Servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So, Lord, we pray this morning you would help us to see this stuff in our lives and help us to, to avoid this, to live our lives in a way that honors you. Help us to be the servants of others and to honor you in all that we do. So we pray your word would speak to our hearts today and grow us in Jesus' name. Amen. So we obviously don't want to end up as the Pharisees, right? <laughs> we don't want Jesus saying, now don't live like Rex. You know, do what he says, but don't do what he does. We don't want to be those people who uh, are called, you know, that, that H word that people love to throw around, hypocrites. We don't want to be called that, right? We want to live lives that match what we say. So how do we do that? Uh, there was a guy that wrote a book a couple of years ago, and uh, it's copyrighted, so I couldn't call my sermon that. But he called it pharisectomy. <laughs> he said, we all need to have an operation called a pharisectomy to get the Pharisees out of us. That's a play on words. Okay, some of you are there. And so uh, we want to get that out of us. So today I want us to take a look at ourselves and see if there's a Pharisee hiding inside of us. And how do we get that out? So how do we live lives that, where our words match our actions? Well, the first thing we have to do is make sure that our walk matches our talk. What we say that we do, what we say that we believe, needs to be lived out in our everyday lives. How many of you know that if you say that you're a Christian, people are watching you? If you say you're a Christian, people at school are watching you. People on your teams are watching you. They're watching you in the locker room. They're watching you on the field, on the court, on the golf course when you run. You know, all those things. They're watching you. People at work are watching you. If they know that you go to church, if they know you say you're a Christian, they're watching how you live. They're watching how you react. They're watching how you drive, believe it or not. They're watching in the store. They're watching how you talk to people in the stores. So they're watching all the time. And see, here's the thing. The religious leaders had positions of great power. They had positions that were really influential. And they weren't just pastors. Okay, here's what we have to understand. Since the law of Moses was also the civil law in Israel, these religious leaders were not just pastors or priests or rabbis, they were also judges. These were lawyers who were also pastors. Imagine that. Tell about somebody with some influence, right? They were people who uh, were influential in society and also in the church. So these guys had their fingers in every part of society. Your pastor was also your judge in the courtroom and was also your lawyer. Wow, right? And so they were they weren't traveling judges. These guys were judges all the time. And so these guys should have been the embodiment of the law, right? So imagine if you have somebody breaking in your house and you call the police, you don't expect somebody to show up with a book of law and say, here you go, this is what you need. No, you want what? You want a cop with a taser and a gun to show up to get the guy out of your house, right? If you call the fire department because there's a fire in your house, you don't want Al to show up and just throw a firefighter one book and say, here's how to get this out. No, you want someone who embodies that to show up and put out the fire, right? These Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious leaders, were people who were supposed to be the embodiment of the law. They were supposed to represent what the law looked like. As Christians, we're supposed to represent what Jesus looks like in the world. When people see us, they should be able to see 
who Jesus is through the way that we act. And so these guys had positions of great power, but unfortunately, their everyday lives didn't match their titles. The way that they lived didn't match up with their title, right? And so uh, Matthew Henry, he's a guy who's a preacher and he wrote commentaries. He says they were pulling down in their practice what they build up in their preaching. What they were saying on Saturday in the Sabbath services was not what they were living out during the week. And guys, when we talk to people about coming to church, when we talk to people about Jesus, what's the one biggest thing we hear all the time? The church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of people who say they follow Jesus, but they don't act that way. Now, am I coming and saying you need to be perfect? Absolutely not. Because none of us can be. Am I saying you're never going to make a mistake? Absolutely not. Because we can't live that way. She is adorable. Uh, we can't live that way. I have a baby smiling at me. It's cute. We can't live that way. We have to be people who try, though. People need to see that we're putting effort into it. And so Jesus had a lot to say about it, and we're going to see here in a moment. But we need to make sure that we are trying our best. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, Paul talked to his young protege, Timothy, who was a pastor. And he says, watch your life and your doctrine closely, because if you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. He says, make sure that you live out every day what you teach on Sunday. Make sure that what people see when they see you matches up with what Jesus says in here. And guys, that's not just for pastors. When people see me in the store and somebody messed up my order at Walmart, if I'm berating the person, does that really match up with what Jesus says? No. If they see me screaming at somebody on the side of the road, it doesn't match with what Jesus says about loving our neighbor. And so, again, you're not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I am far, far from it. None of us are. But we need to make an effort to make sure that what we say lines up with what we do. Right? Jesus called on whitewashed tombs, unmarked graves, blind guides. And so, these guys had lost their desire to help people follow the Lord. They taught, but they didn't want to help people get where they were going. That's why Jesus said they tie up these huge bundles and put them on their shoulders, but they don't make any effort to help them get there. They loved the title, but they didn't walk out what they were doing. I know this is a woohoo type sermon, right? But we need to make sure, guys, that we are putting the effort in because as a Christian, you have a lot of influence. Just like the Pharisees, the religious leaders did. As a Christian, you have a lot of power in people's lives. Because if they know that you're a Christian and they have a crisis, who are they going to come to? They're going to come to you. Because you have hope to share with them. They see that in you. If you're a Christian, they see the hope that's in your life. They see you not falling apart when things happen. They're going to come to you. They're going to come to us. So we need to make sure that we're living this out. And then we have to have a reasonable view of ourselves. Well, what does that mean? Well, Jesus said the Pharisees did everything for what? For people to see. They were more concerned with outward appearance than their inward growth. So we need to make sure that we have a reasonable view of ourselves. We want to make sure that we're not all about the outside, but more about the inside. They love looking the part. And so we call this spiritual pride. Sometimes we want people to see us as a Christian. We want 
We want people to see us as a Sunday school teacher or a board member or a youth leader or whatever. But then we don't back up what we're saying. So we need to make sure that, that we don't allow that spiritual pride to creep into our lives. So now, is it okay to have people be like, oh, man, you're such a great Christian? That should make us feel good, right? When I say, oh, you're a great person, that should make us feel good. Yeah, Jesus helps me with that. That's awesome. Thank you for saying that. But the problem is when we start expecting that, and we start loving that, and that's what the Pharisees did. Again, one commentator said that they made an idol of themselves because they started expecting people to say that about them. They started expecting the seats of honor at the tables. They started expecting people to be deferential to them. Instead of being a servant, they came expecting to be served. And so, it's kind of funny that in John chapter 2, verses 23 to 25, listen to this. It says, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem in the Passover celebration, many began to trust in him. No one needed to tell him about human nature, uh, but Jesus didn't trust them because he knew all about people. No one needed to tell him about human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. So guys, here's the thing. When we start enjoying people saying that, and again, it's okay to enjoy that. When we start expecting that, you know what people can do in a heartbeat? They can change. They can turn. And we've all experienced that people that we thought were our friends can turn into sharks in a moment, right? What did Jesus call the religious leaders? Wolves in sheep's clothing, right? And so we have to understand that we need to make sure our praise comes from who? From God. We need to make sure that we live to honor him and make him happy, and then everything else will fall into place. They love to look more spiritual than others. These guys love to look more spiritual. So it says here that they made their phylacteries wide and their tassels long. And you're probably thinking, what on earth is that? Well, in the Old Testament, in Exodus chapter 13, when the Israelites were entering their promised land, the Lord said through Moses, this observance will be for you like a sign on your hand and a reminder on your forehead that this law of the Lord is to be on your lips. Moses told the people, you need to be thinking about the law all the time because that's going to keep you safe. You need to be thinking about God's directions all the time, God's word, because that's going to help you live a great life. So the religious leaders took this literally and started making boxes that they wrote scriptures in and they stuck it on their forehead. I got a picture here. You can see they stuck these things on their forehead and they still use these. Jewish people still use these. And so the fair, that's not very comfortable, I wouldn't think. But the Pharisees made theirs bigger than everybody else's. And they're supposed to have fringes on their cloaks to signify that they were God's people. They made theirs really long. What were they doing? Again, they were more worried about the outside than the inside. They wanted to look more spiritual than others. Well, what does that look like today? Well, sometimes we wear Christian shirts, right? Or hats, or bracelets, or have huge stickers on our cars. I heard a pastor one time that was, he was pulling onto the highway, and a guy came tearing up on his backside, honked his horn, went around and flipped him off. And then they got together at the stoplight, and he looked over, and it was a guy from his church. And it had a church bumper sticker on the back of his car. And the guy went, kind of like this, and looked down at him. And said, we had a talk later that week about his driving. So we want to make sure that when we wear those things, those are great things to have, but we make sure that when we're doing that, we do good. If you hand out a track when you give a tip, what do you need to do? Leave a great tip. 
right? Don't just give the track, give the tip. So we need to make sure that the outside matches the inside. And here's a funny thing, guys. This word, this phylactery and these things, they had an association like amulet. Here's what Jesus was saying. These things had become almost like a good luck charm to them. Almost like something they trusted in to help them get favor with God. Rather than the inside. So, when we start looking for other people for approval instead of God, we moved into dangerous territory. Uh, after Jesus came, and after Jesus ascended, the rabbis actually got more powerful. Their influence is huge. Their disciples, the people who followed them, were supposed to obey without question. They weren't allowed to greet the Pharisees first. The Pharisees had to look to them first and greet them. You weren't allowed to say hi to them. <laughs> they had to greet you. And so we had to make sure that we don't allow that spiritual pride into our lives. We had to make sure we live to serve Christ. We live to make him happy over others. So uh, they live for the applause of people. And then we have to realize that we're never above serving. If we want to make sure our lives are free of spiritual pride, we have to make sure we never feel like we're above serving. So... This guy dragged himself into his doctor's office one day, and he was just, he looked horrible. He said, doctor, there are dogs all over my neighborhood. They bark all night, and I can't sleep. I haven't slept in days. And he said, yeah, you look terrible. He said, thanks. I, I feel terrible. I can't sleep. So the doctor said, well, he pulls out a drawer. There's some new sleeping pills that were just approved. These things should knock you out cold. And he gave him some samples. And so two weeks later, Dewey came back in. He looked worse than ever. He said, Doc, this plan's not working. I'm more tired than I've ever been. And the doctor said, well, I don't understand. Those are the strongest pills they make. And he said, yeah, but I have to keep chasing the dogs down. And when I catch them, I have a hard time getting them to swallow the pills. So he missed the point there a little bit. Guys, Jesus came to this earth, and he said the Son of Man came to, what, serve and not to be served. As Christians, people who follow in Jesus' footsteps, sometimes we miss the point. We have to understand that we are never above serving. And so Jesus told the crowds they shouldn't look for titles to foster pride. They shouldn't seek titles to foster pride. Now, <laughs> Jesus said, don't be called teacher. Don't be called instructor. He wasn't being super literal here, right? You know, if someone calls Mr. Brayton or Mrs. Brayton a teacher, he's not going to go to hell because of that. He's saying, don't look for titles. Don't look for titles to get proud, but come instead and serve. Guys, how many families have been torn apart because the mom or the dad were so busy looking for titles, they neglected their family? How many churches have fallen apart because people in the congregation wanted a title, and they wanted to be a big fish in a small pond, and they've destroyed churches? I've seen it. I've seen churches fall apart because pastors got so proud that they wouldn't serve and they thought they were above the rules and crashed and burned. Guys, we need to make sure we don't seek title because of pride. We seek title because we want to serve. If you want to be great in God's kingdom, you have to be the servant. And Jesus said to be truly great, we have to be willing to serve. And when we're more concerned with following Jesus than seeking titles or seeking power, that's when we'll be great. That's when we'll do great things for the Lord. So make sure that you feel like you're never above serving. And we must be careful not to seek position over character. Don't ever seek position over character. 
So as the worship team comes up today, I want to ask you, how's your heart? How is your heart? How is your heart for serving? How is your heart for following others? Do you need to have a ferrisectomy in your life? It's painful. (laughs) We don't want to get to that point. So I'm going to ask you, if you're physically able, would you stand? Those of you at home, would you scoot to the edge of the couch or stand just to change positions so you don't get too sleepy on us? So Lord, we thank you today that you came to this earth and you showed us what it meant to be a servant. Lord, even your title, Son of Man, shows that you came to serve and not to be served. You came to seek and save the lost. Lord, you came for us. And we're so thankful for that. And Lord, today we want to honor you with the way that we live. We want to make sure that we never get above thinking that we're here to serve. We don't want to ever allow spiritual pride to creep into our hearts and into our lives. We want to keep that servant's heart that you've given us. So Lord, today I pray all over this room, all over the internet as we're watching at home, Father, that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, if there are any of us here today who don't have a current relationship with you, Lord, would you show us that? Lord, you came seeking us. And before we can serve others, we have to serve you. So if you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed and you say, you know, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Christ right now. I, I've never asked him to forgive my sins or or maybe at one point I did, but I've walked away from that. I'm not serving him anymore. I want to do that. I want to really give him my life. Would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? We want to pray with you today. We're going to say this prayer for any of those watching online who might have raised their hand. We're going to say this together. And this is not some magical thing. This is just you talking to the Lord and say, Lord, I know I messed up. I want to receive your forgiveness. So would you all say this with me? Dear Jesus, thank you so much for coming to this earth and dying in my place. And I admit that I haven't followed your laws. I've made mistakes. I've sinned, and for that I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Come into my life and make me new. Help me to live for you every single day. In Jesus' name, amen. The Bible says that if you prayed that prayer, that Jesus makes you a new creation. And if you prayed that prayer, come talk to one of us. Send us a message on Facebook. We have a a book we want to give you that helps you kind of walk that thing out. So if you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I need to get some spiritual pride out of my life. I want to make sure that my life is matching up with what I believe. I want to make sure that I'm serving others and I'm not going after title. If that's you, would you slip your hand up? We just want to pray together. If you're a dancer, you know what, I'm doing pretty well, but I need to put a guard up because I don't want to get to that place. I want you to pray with us as well. So, Father, I just pray for all those who raise their hands, who need to get some spiritual pride out of our lives. Lord, I pray for those who want to guard against that. Help us to always keep our heart to serve you and our heart to serve others as we serve you. And, Lord, I pray today you would help us to live lives that, that match what we say we believe. And I know we'll never be perfect. So I pray you take away all the condemnation that's there for those who are trying to be perfect, because I know we can't. But help us to serve you with joy and serve you with a, a true heart of humility to honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.